the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. As we race towards Christmas, we're at episode 368. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Welcome back to the show, Nate. Always good to have you here. Thanks for having me. What an absolute cracker day to record a podcast. I know. We should be outside rather than geeking out inside, but we're not going to geek out inside for too long. At least Uh, least your studio's got uh, air conditioning. Yes, very convenient. Well, I'm going to be in permanent air conditioning soon. Uh, Head up to San Francisco on Friday. Right. So um, it is winter in North America. That'll be nice. That'll be a bit of a change to the old system. I'm hoping it will be it'll be good. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to a bit of holidaying around California. Um, now, Spark, they have they sent me an email yesterday and say, "Oh, Paul, we, we, we're going to be announcing uh, a trial of portable wireless broadband." And thought, hmm, portable wireless broadband. So what they're talking about is the boxes that you can get in your house instead of getting a, uh, uh, you know, a wide connection or a fibre connection to the internet. You, know, you get one that live, you know, utilises the mobile network. You've got the little box and then you spread it around your house with Wi-Fi or, or, or cable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Spark is saying that between the Spark brand and their, um, their skinny sub-brand, they've now got 100,000 customers or 15% of their broadband users who are on this, what, they call, what they've been calling sort of fixed wireless broadband service, which is... Um, it's a pretty, pretty impressive uh, number. It shows how hard they've been pushing it. Now, why have they been pushing it? Well, you can, you can understand they own that network, and if they can uh, utilise that, that network better and not have to pay the likes of Chorus for a fixed connection... That's uh, that's good business for them. So, if you, you know, if you if you you know, break that down, it's certainly uh, in the well that that sort of number. Uh, it'll be saving them you know, tens of millions in terms of costs for paying uh, chorus. So, uh, and and the other um, the the local fibre companies we have around New Zealand. The curious thing about this, I think, look, this is a great idea. This time of year, you think of what you might be doing over summer, hmm. there's a good chance for most Kiwis that you're going to be going to the beach, going camping, doing some fun stuff around the place. Now, for some of those people, they actually just want to get away from internet and gadgets and whatnot. And then there's some of us that are got a fence in both camps, and then there's some that actually, look, I just need really good internet. So I think really uh, it's a good move on their part to just be trialling it I, you know, and I haven't um, had a chance to have a, haven't had time to have a sort of chat to them to get into the nitty gritty detail. Um, that's good, but they're talking about a hundred customers are going to be on this trial. I can imagine they would have thousands of those customers that are like, "Give it to me now." Um, and the curious thing is, because they're saying these are locked down to a fixed location. Whenever I've tried, certainly the skinny base boxes, I've never had any issue with. Well, maybe once. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, so you can actually just forget the trial, and if you've got this gear, 
try it if nothing else. You know, if you're going away somewhere and you want internet connection and you don't want to be paying mega uh, rates using your uh, your data on your mobile phone, um, just try taking your box with you. That'd be my uh, recommendation, and uh, let's see what happens from there. Well, there's obviously a potentially huge market for this because in the the release that they had, they've said that nearly 25% of Aucklanders leave the city. Um, leave Auckland and then head outside the city which if you're at any of those holiday spots like the Mount or um, any of those other places you definitely know that there's a huge influx of people well, right right around the country right whatever part of the country you're in there's a reasonably yeah high chance just you're, you're going to want to go somewhere else and do something so yeah that's it's good um what this does highlight to me though is those that are able to fit in because you have limits that's the main issue with the the fixed wireless broadband is the the data caps right say 100 i think 100 100 gigs 120 gigs those are sort of typical sorts of caps um uh, and that doesn't work if you if you want you know 4k or ultra hd streaming netflix and youtube you've got lots of that content if you're doing not so much of it then yeah it can be workable uh, but for those actually this works for um but it's pretty good also i imagine it'd be quite tempting for other people just to get one for for those sort of uh chances but uh also there's a lot of people that will um have a batch place that they go and they maybe have an internet connection installed there for the times when they do go and visit uh, so this is uh, going to be a well, it's going to be a massive cost saving because then you don't need to in essence maintain two internet connections you mm. could because there's no point in paying internet up there but you have to at the moment because there's no alternative solutions so um, it could be a very good option that you use it at home and then take it up to the, the beach just for the the month or however long you're up there mm. so very cool very good uh, you know it's um, Spark that have that have talked about this to date um Sort of we, may, we may see we may see announcements from uh, from from elsewhere, but um, yeah, quite uh, quite positive anyway. It feels very similar to the, and I'm not sure if they still do the promotion because I'm not a Spark customer, but they um, they had that promotion where you could connect to the old um, telephone boxes. That's right, yeah. And you could get Wi-Fi a, and that, you could get those, a gig free yeah. Wi-Fi. So then yep. you know a lot of those spots that have the old telephone box, and at least it's repurposing them to to actually be useful. So uh, sort of. Down the down the line, like that's a line, but obviously a, a lot better, a lot better coverage and mm. quicker speeds. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, now you may have may have heard over the last few days, there's been um, chorus of sort of been pitching to the government um, this idea that's it's sort of a suggestion that. When we move from our current sort of four, and now we've got these four point five G mobile networks, that when it goes to five G, that there should just really be one 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 provider who looks after um, after that, or it should maybe be managed by the government rather than allowing there to be uh, competing networks. This is this is what's come through from Chorus, and uh, yeah, it's been interesting just watching the varying uh, media releases and and commentary float uh, back and forth from our mobile networks. Um, yeah, Spark, Vodafone, uh, two two degrees. They've they've all had something to say about this, uh, and yeah, I think what what they're saying is, look, we think that the mobile networks work just work quite well at the moment. It's good having some competition. Uh, they also have their uh, consortium. That's uh, that that's been working together on the um, the rural broadband uh, initiative to uh, to you know to deliver 
in in those regards as well. So yeah, there's uh, there's a bit of bit of pushback, but uh, look, you know, good on, good on course. They're, they're looking for every opportunity to uh, uh, to make a buck, and yeah, of course they might uh, suggest things that uh, might not please others if it's going to uh, going to benefit their uh, their shareholders. So well, I can see that the the mobile networks, you know, as we just discussed in the previous um, little little part, was the fact that they don't have to pay chorus any um, network connection, so they'll be. It'd be their worst nightmare that they can move everyone to wireless and all of a sudden chorus go, well, actually, we're still here. Even though you're not using anything fixed line, um, you're going to be using our, our 5G network. And it, it's interesting that in that article, Simon was saying about how um, there's been a lot of issues with fiber, which is completely opposite from my experience with it because there's you know one incumbent and that the retailers haven't been able to provide the full end-to-end delivery of, of um, the solution. So... But you know, I'm not sure if your your mileage might vary. But when we got um, fiber at home and at the office, it was not, didn't have any dramas. It was completely flawless, if I'm honest. I think it, it works pretty well these days. In fact, uh, one of my teammates just been on uh, on leave, and he came back and he said, "Oh, last week on uh, Tuesday evening, I decided to order ultra fast broadband." Uh, this is the house that he's yeah lived in for a long time, mm. uh, so the, you know there, there was no uh, no fiber there. And so decided what plan, everything, placed the order. Less than 48 hours later, they came to do the site inspection visit. Nice. And while they were there, they installed it, and it was nice. done and dusted. So within 48 hours, brand new. That's incredible. Fiber installed from the street to the house yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Boom. Actually, I do tell a little bit of a lie with the fibre. Mine wasn't 100% flawless, but that wasn't Chorus's fault. The problem is I'm part of a uh, what they call a multi-tenter dwelling, so I'm a, I've part of a big block of flats. So ours was a little bit delayed, Not nothing to do with the Chorus, but because there's 10 of us in a the block, they want to hit everyone all out at the same time, mm. and mm. all the landlords are different, so it's like herding cats. And so that was probably the only issue. But again, that's outside Chorus's realm. And mm. once Chorus got the go-ahead from all 10, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, Spark have shared that uh, Jason Paris is stepping down as the CEO of um, uh, their home mobile and um, business division, which used to be what was called Telecom uh, Retail, which Chris Quinn headed up uh, before him. So I haven't heard yet what's next for him. You think it was interesting in the article how he's going offshore, but he can't say where? Mm. Mm. I, I remember reading this in the NBR a few days ago and just thinking... Why can't you tell us where you're going? Uh, maybe it would give too too much away maybe. just yet. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll spot it when he updates <laughs> his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> um, Microsoft have they've they've shown off in the past and on their um, uh, their big uh, surfaces you can get for the meeting rooms that uh, that go on the wall. Um, they've had these white whiteboard apps that's now available for and I thought this would be relevant for you Nate being a, a Surface user Microsoft Surface user um, they've got this whiteboard app now that you can uh, you can use I guess in conjunction with a projector I- or, or, and stuff, or just yeah. on your screen and you know have multiple multiple people working on it um, ties into an Office 365 subscription so if you're using it it's just in preview at the moment so it's sort of a beta you know pre, pre-release build but it's it's yeah seems uh, seemed okay from a from a very quick look. Um, you do have to have Microsoft uh, Office three six five uh, subscription for at least one person that's that's accessing it if you're using that. Is that an acquisition? Because it looks, or is there another product on the market that it, it looks and it feels very familiar? 
Yeah, so it's a variation on technology that they've um, for that, that they have got uh, for their meeting room setups. Ah. So uh, yes, you may well have, have seen that before. Now, what what else have we got going on? Um, oh, some new information. Oh, Spark were highlighting that they've now got um, thirty of their cell sites that are up to what they're calling four point five G, and this is through their. Uh, um, partnership, I think, with Huawei that's been uh, been rolling that stuff out. So what's what's four and a half G? So what is they're calling four point five G is, and I forget all the the technical terms because I don't live and breathe this stuff every every day. Mm. Um, uh, Bill would probably remember the uh, the the a few more of the technical um, uh, terms, but. Effectively, this is where you are setting up multiple uh, connections on um, different radio bands between a cell site and your smartphone. So you're getting, you know, multiple. It's a little bit like having, you know, if it was in a wired sense, having multiple, you know, internet connections running into your, running into your home, mm. and you, you know, bring them together to get a, you know, an overall speed that's uh, that's a that's a bit better. It, mm. Technically, you were able to do that, I think, with um, some variants of of ADSL. You bond them together for faster speeds, but it, it is different in the mobile world because, of course, you've got an amount of bandwidth that gets shared across multiple users. But this allows you to get uh, uh, overall more uh, more bandwidth. So technically, uh, the sort of theoretical limits are um, are I think over a gigabit for uh, for this type of connection. Well, wow. in reality. I don't think too many people would be getting, you know, speed tests even over half a gigabit. But realistically, that's uh, that's probably pretty good for most mobile access. Where this stuff will, will come into its own will be for those with those sort of fixed broadband uh, devices that we were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, even if they were used in different locations, where you're just opening up more uh, more bandwidth on the mobile networks. So, do many phones and tablets actually support four and a half? Because that would be the issue. You roll out all this really cool tech, and yeah, there's no yeah. handsets that actually support it. Well, it, when these things are new, it is always very limited. And in fact, I think we've seen situations sometimes where the new mobile uh, tech ro- rolls out, and there aren't any devices in the local market that support it. So you know, you can you can have a little bit of that. Mm. Um, Huawei, because they they make the network and they and they make phones. Uh, that that's something that they've um, that that they've done, um, and there are different names for these things as well. We you know four point five G is is one of the terms. There's I think four G plus, and there's a you know a bunch of uh, a bunch of of variants of of names. Um, and look, I can't remember all of them because I'm always hearing new buzzwords <laughs> all the time. So, um, um, but it does seem to be. Um, uh, you know, quite a common common term. Um, MIMO is is a term that also sort of relates to that sort of multiple um, uh, communications at uh, at once, and you hear that with Wi-Fi as well, where there's sort of multiple multiple channels, maybe um, yeah, maybe even on the same band. Um, but that's um, it's sort of considered a you know a stepping stone to um, to five G mobile networks. But um, there you go. Of course, Spark are going to try and make as much noise about it because they're they're sitting up front on on uh, on on that stuff. Um, that that said, I think 
Vodafone of uh, you know doing something some somewhat similar. Uh, if I rec- recall a discussion I had with with with, uh, with with Tony Beard a little while ago, correctly. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's good that our networks are competing. You know, faster, yep. uh, better options, and so on. Um, now, um, uh, Lightning Lab uh, doing a, um, a um, um, something in the government um space which is uh w- which is interesting to see a um uh, i guess a, an accelerator um there so that's going to be um just going to be curious to sort of see what uh, you know what what comes out of a uh, uh, an accelerator that's sort of you know focused on on government um tech so yeah quite a interesting ones so they released a, a you know few few details about that uh in, in the last uh, few days yeah they're calling it lightning lab uh GovTech. and if you go to lightninglab.co.nz uh there's an opportunity to register interest and uh, uh and get involved to uh, to find out about that one so um yeah we're getting more and more opportunities for those that are wanting to innovate in the tech space uh, to get support through accelerators and uh, and funding and the like. So it's kind Very of cool. cool. Yeah. Now, just looking at other notes here, I think it's time to talk about the fun stuff, Nate. What do you reckon? Go for it. So Christmas gifts, what have you got lined up for me? <laughs> no, it's just like, say, oh, well, what? Way, it, uh, way to drop me in it. Okay, so well, I thought you might answer like that, and hence the question, because I'm going to tell you some of the things that you should consider giving me, you, or somebody else who's maybe more important to you than I am. Um, so, lots of gadgets that we've looked at over the last few months, and some of these you may have heard mentioned on on the podcast before. But I thought, hey, good good chance to just do a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a recap and a and a relook at some of the stuff coming through. Um, Garmin sent through one of their uh, one of their new cycling computers and or GPS units, and they've been doing these things for uh, for yeah. A long time, and they just keep keep getting better and better. Uh, so there will be a um, a separate chat around the um, the Garmin Edge 10, 1030. But this is uh, you know it's quite a nice sort of step up if you're on one of their older ones and you're a cyclist or somebody important to you as a cyclist and you know wants to keep up with this tech. Uh, a friend of mine who's been uh, been taking this for a good spin, I decided he could probably put it through its paces better than better than I could. Uh, he's doing a lot more cycling than I am, um, so we'll cover that uh, probably separately. But. The, the basic feedback I've got from them is, look, that's a really nice step up if you've got an older model, if you haven't got one uh, already and you do a chunk of cycling, then it's really good. It's a much larger screen than the uh, um, these previous um, you know, cycling computers and really, really good at the mapping with quite a nice, decent size uh, screen and whatnot. So, it's quite um, massive, eh? It looks, it, it looks like one of the really old generation phones. Like with that sort of screen size, yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously you know well built. They've got 
um, you know, they're cached and you know, lot of you know, load maps and, and stuff into them, and um, you know, you load up your ride and um, and and away you go. And there's there's lots happening in that sort of cycling uh, world of 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 tech and uh, um, you know, on the social side and the ability to. Um, you know, do virtual racing from inside your own home without actually having to go out on, you know, on the road or, or on a track, but be able to race against others now, which is uh, is really cool. Um, and Garmin have a whole bunch of more gadgets as well. They've got their Vector Three pedal for sort of tracking. They've uh, recently launched a diving watch. Uh, you know, their their trucking GPS. They've got the wearables. They've just got a massive uh, a massive range. So if you're interested in that stuff, it's actually worth having a having a little bit of a look look at their their site because you won't see most of that stuff in stores yeah. but they have got heaps you know even one of their one of their watches is you know geared up for free divers wow. um, and so on so yeah I mean it's pretty niche but they're in there doing it which is quite cool another thing if you know anyone who's got um, maybe some back issues and maybe they have a uh, well, they're a little yeah, bit lazy. Say. They're a little bit lazy. They like Sluggish. to uh, like to like to slouch a bit too much, um, and you would like to uh, like to help them out. Then I got sent the Upright Go recently, and it is really really interesting. So this is something you attach it to your back. So, so it's got. Ha- a, hold on. How do you wait? You attach it. How do you attach it to your back? Are um, there screws? Is there a drill? <laughs> <laughs> is there, I think that's a, a key part of this. Uh, yes. The application no, it's a, it's a, that's a fair question, Nate. Um, so it's actually got a little sticky bit, and um, you just stick it to your back. And it, I think it's a three M sort of sticky on the on the back of it, and it comes with some extra pads so you can replace it. I've worn mine over um, over a good few days, and I haven't had to change the sort of sticky thing yet. I think the idea is you you you'd wear it. Um, you know, during your working day for a month, and it just plugs in, charges on a, a, a micro USB charger, um, and it will just give you a buzz if you're slouching, if you're not in the right position, and so on. Um, and there's a uh, app and whatnot that uh, that that goes with it. So just uh, imagine, I can just imagine it malfunctions, and you're sitting at a meeting, and the person's like, "You're right," and you're like. I'm fine. Fine. It's good. Now it doesn't give you electric shocks, she, mate. The way you're keeps... moving suggests. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure it's quite. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah. No, it's it's a reasonably. Has it, uh, it's has reasonably it improved gentle. your posture? Has it improved my posture? Or do you just ignore the buzzing? No, I definitely. You definitely take notice. It's like oh yeah, and it, and you you know you'll uh, you'll sit up straighter and yeah. and learn from it. So it's quite good. And it comes with this sort of training and tracking app that yeah, keeps your stats on on you know how you're sitting and uh, and gives you a bit of encouragement in the right uh, direction. It's been out in the US for a little while, but it's only just launched here uh, in New Zealand in the uh, in the last uh, few weeks. And yeah, it sort of sell, fell off my radar because they you know they they organised it for me, and then uh, there was an embargo and uh, whatnot, and I yeah I forgot. But um, no, it's um, it's right, and um, I think. It's between one hundred around one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy dollars in 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 New Zealand. But if it's something that's going to help your health, well worth. Yeah. So, do you need to plug it in to? I assume that it communicates with the app like over Bluetooth or something, or do you need to plug the app in to your phone? Blue or? Blue, blue Bluetooth. Yeah, okay, cool. So yeah. once it's attached, you don't. It, it just needs charging from time to time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, nice. Um, 
won an award for health and well-being tech of the year. So there you go. I don't know whether anyone can hack into it and find out how you're sitting, but um, I can't imagine that would be too much of a problem for most people, right? Not really. You could you know, just quite easily pull it off if, it, um, you know, if you did have problems. Yeah, yeah. Unless you could hack it and you could get somebody to sit worse by having it buzz when they're sitting right and then not buzz when they're sitting <laughs> Wouldn't wrong. that be, anyway. that would blow your mind because you're like, look, I am sitting up straight and it's still buzzing. Oh, look, if I slouch. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I guess it's not as bad as uh, hacking of, um, you know, heart type, you know, things, yep. pacemakers and, and the like. So, um, yeah. Now, Anki, uh, we've talked about them. Um, where, where are they from? A few weeks ago. So they're, they're a US uh, company. In fact, um, Savannah Peterson that was on, on, the, on the show uh, recently, she was at a uh, location maybe in New York where uh, Anki was maybe funded by the same company or was um, – uh, they're running out of the same uh, location, but yeah, they they've got some uh, some fun stuff. Um, two two gadgets. There's their there's Cosmo, which is a little tiny robot. It's got these uh, tracks on it. Looks a little bit like a forklift, but uh, it's it's quite a bit of um, quite a bit of fun to play around with. I must say, I haven't spent hours haven't spent hours and hours playing on it. Um, well, playing playing with it, but um, yeah, my son Pablo seemed to quite enjoy it. And you can play, basically, it's got facial recognition, so it gets to recognise different people. I mean, you can cool. train it with up to four faces, and then it sees your name in a kind of digital voice, and you can play varying games with it and uh, mm. and whatnot. And it's got these digital cubes that it that it recognises, it can tell which way around they are, and whatnot, and that's part of its sort of environment. So you just put it on a, f- a flat uh, surface and um, and away you go, and you can program it as well. Um, the other thing, which you and I just had a play with before, was the um, Anki uh, Overdrive, the Fast and Furious Edition, uh, and we've got the track set up out in, in the office, and uh, it's kind of fun, right? It's a modern sort of slot fun. car set, and uh, yeah, what do you describe it? Well, the, the fact, so it, it looks like it's just a cardboard track. So if you think about slot cars, but remove the metal grooves, it's just a, a track that's got a loop that goes over itself, and you put the cars down, and then once with the app, the app communicates with the cars, and then it has a scan mode. So then the cars start spinning around the track, and then they work out if you if they're in the wrong direction, and then all of a sudden they pull up and line up perfectly on the start line. And then using the app, you can race. And it just follows around the lines on this, in essence, what is a, a piece of cardboard in the shape of a track. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they're, they're plastic with some magnets. So putting the track together, and you put it together in any configuration you choose, as long as it fits together, Yeah, uh, it's so quick because they just snap together. It's, you know, when you remember putting, you know, tracks and different things together, yeah. uh, as a kid in the old days, it was... Um, yeah, it was that was a you know take you a good few minutes. This thing you can slap it together in uh, sort of seconds, basically. So um, yeah, very cool. Um, the Cos- Cosmo and the um, Anki Overdrive around three hundred bucks or so here in New Zealand. So no, they're not uh, they're not super cheap, yeah. but they're also not um, you know not not crazy for what they are either. And that and that Overdrive, I'm just looking at Mighty Ape uh, is available. They've got five left and two hundred and seventy dollars. Oh, okay. And you can cool. have it tomorrow. Ooh. <laughs> and this is where you put it throw in my referral code, which I don't even know if they do. <laughs> um, 
another gadget that we've looked at this year, the um, Dyson Pure Hot and Cool uh, Purifier. Apparently it automatically captures 99.95% of fine particles such as allergens and pollutants. Um, so very fancy looking heater or it's pretty um, cool looking. Air, air cooling fan. Um, but, you know, it's big claim to fame as well as the fact that it's cloud connected and you can fire up the app from anywhere in the world, as I found out, and um, make the room very, very hot if somebody else is in it uh, and you're on the other side of the world and just want to say, hello, I'm being no, spooky, I'm um, then you could technically do that. Um, I have not done that. Um, you can also set it up because we had some air conditioning issues um, here in our premises with a new system that went in. Um, if it gets much worse, we might name and shame the um, the supplier. Um, not quite got that far yet. But um, so over winter, I had it set to to automatically start my office in the morning shortly before I would arrive. So oh, that's cool. just you cloud app, you fire it up, and then I was oh, I'm travelling. I went in and just changed the schedule and, and took it out so it wasn't wasting energy. But my r- r- office would be uh, would be extra toasty by the time uh, by the time I opened the door in the morning. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very cool. And certainly, um, you know, if your family member has, has issues with allergies and things, having something like this to, um, you know, actually get those particles out of the air could be, um, could be kind of helpful. Could be a godsend, yeah. About a grand in this in that sort of direction, around $1,000. So it's, um, you know, not a low-cost thing. But, again, for health and well-being, it's often worth spending the money, exactly. I would say. Uh, wearables. Now, what are you using at the moment, Nate? What's your wearable of... I've got the quite old, very first version of the Huawei watch, and it's only because Tuesday last week, I think, or Wednesday last week, I was on uh, Trade Me late at night and thought... Ah, oh, that one's not very expensive and dropped, I think it was like 100 bucks or 120 bucks. But it does, it does what you want in terms of giving you very accurate time and notifications, right? Yeah, it perfectly does. And I actually reviewed this watch. It's a really nice looking watch. Too. Yeah, and I, I think I reviewed it two years ago, three years ago. I never bothered because I just thought it was too expensive. Then it just happened to pop up on my trade me feed and I bought it. So, yeah. And and what's happened recently on the watch, uh, f- the Android watch front? Because we've got a, a little update, right? Yeah, so for, the Oreo, I was reading yesterday, mainly because I'm now a watch fanboy, I suppose, um, that the Oreo update um, was originally released, I think, to four or five watches. And now it's been expanded out to a whole lot of watches. And inevitably, my watch is not included, which makes me a little bit annoyed, but... Having right. said that, and then that, that is the challenge with sort of Android things in general, isn't it? In terms of what what gets the updates. Uh, interestingly, talking about phones, um, we're getting more and more phones that have got Android uh, Android Eight. I'm still waiting for the Samsung to get Android Eight or Android Oreo uh, update. Uh, I have, I think I've got it now on the um, HTC. U11 had an update come down, so I think I may have it on that one. Um, definitely have it on the uh, Nokia, on the Nokia 8. Mm. So Nokia really seemed to be uh, you know, living up to their uh, promises there in terms of keeping their uh, their handsets up to date. So that's really one of the standout things with the, the Nokias. Um, Huawei, the uh, the... P10 and the P10 Plus, both of those shipped with Android 8 already out of the box, so they're already there. Um, now, the other phone, we've got a brand new phone here. Uh, this is Sony's XZ1. And some listeners may recall 
was probably must have been towards this time last year, probably a little bit earlier. Um, had a good play around with the um, the Xperia XZ, and um, yeah, I mean, I really quite like the Sony phones. Now, this one has, I think, been out for. Um, um, a little while, but it, it took me a while to um, to get around to um, you know, chasing them up about it. Uh, but it has arrived, had a little bit of a play, and it's got a bit of a standout feature, hasn't it, Nate? Yeah, we're doing... What head- did we do with your head? <laughs> we're doing head scanning of all things. Um, so it's got an app where it, it, it's got some sort of sensors that see the depth of, of feel, and then you very weirdly walk around the person that's sitting down very still, and it can produce a 3D map of... So we that now have a 3D picture ma- of Nate's head, of effectively. Head. Um, you can go and do these 3D scans of varying objects, uh, people, and really whatever you like. And then you can actually get those things sort of sent off to do 3D printing. Uh, or there's it's not not quite the same as, uh, I don't think, any other platform. But yeah, it does allow you to send these sort of 3D uh, images to people that people can sort of spin around on and yep. and so on so um kind of kind of fun um it has that feature which you may have heard from me before that i really like which is the idea of the power button on the side is also the fingerprint scanner and i just think it's genius i don't know why nobody else does it uh but it's just it's such a good thing nice and really that's for me is the only shortcoming about the iphone 10 is it's got face ID to you know unlock with facial recognition, yep. but for security, reliability, whatever, it would be nice out. to have fingerprint as well. So you could either do both of them, or I think or fingerprint other. scanning is just is um, more consistent in most cases mm-hmm. um, still. So yeah, it would be, and maybe we'll see that on the on yeah, and the iPhone in the future that will have both. But nobody else seems to have cottoned onto this idea of the button on the side. What do you think? Is that a good way to place to have to fingerprint? Because you pick I up most phones and you kind of, you know, you have a finger maybe somewhere near the back and you have a you know, thumb or something on the side. I quite like the finger on the back, mainly because I've had the, my Nexus for so long. It just feels very natural. But I suppose, yeah, having the power button on the on the right-hand side where your thumb would go probably makes just as much sense. Well, most phones seem to have the power button there. I mean, I'm picking up so that's Samsung. So I've got Huawei here. My HTC U11 uh, has the power button there. Uh, the Nokia has a power button there. And then um, the Volume Rocker just above it. Uh, the iPhone 10 has uh, has power there. So it's it's you know it's sort of the same place on every phone it's made, so it's easy to reach to. I wonder if anyone ever wonders why you've got so many really nice flash phones. They wonder about what your actual day career is. I don't know. I don't know. Please keep sending me phones, everybody, <laughs> if you happen to own a new phone company, because we like to talk about these things. Um, no, but look, it's it's good to see that we, we on the Android front, I think we're seeing those Android updates maybe a bit sooner than what we have in the past. Mm. Um, really, it's only the... the out of this... And my, I've run the battery flat on my HTC, but I... I could be wrong about the Android up eight update having arrived for that, but it, I know it has been released on some of the um, HTC U11s. Whether the New Zealand one has it or not, I'm actually I'm on the fence on that because I did do updates across a whole lot of these phones um, 
late last week, beginning of beginning of this week, and I can't. I do know it got an update, but I can't remember if we got the Android eight update. So it could be wrong there, but it's good to see that we're we're getting an improving situation as far as updates. And I think, as we've seen with Nokia coming into the market, and that sort of being their differentiator, they're going to get the security updates out regularly. They're updating their other phones uh, as well, even you know security updates on their like. Two hundred dollar type handset mm. is uh, is really good, so that's that's making things a lot better in the smartphone world. Uh, but look, there's a lot of choices of really good, uh, really good phones at the moment, right? And I think there's a, a good choice of price ranges too. So if you aren't comfortable with spending, what's the new iPhone X? So it, uh, it starts at nineteen nineteen. Yeah, so if you're not comfortable spending two grand. You can easily go for a a much less phone, but if you're more than happy to drop that and get the newest and greatest, then that option's available for you as well. Yeah, yeah, and you've got the uh, Nokia 3310 if you want something a bit retro that has not really a a smartphone in the traditional, you know, what we expect of a smartphone, it's available too. Uh, Huawei, the one we talked about um, last week, which was last week, the week before, I think the two... Oh, what was the model number? Two I? Sheesh, I can't remember that. I uh, might have to look it up. But they've they've got a handset coming in at four nine nine that's got dual com- cameras front and rear. Um, nice. That you know looks to be pretty pretty capable for uh, for a five hundred dollar uh, phone. But all of the top end phones now, I think, are are really good. Um, yeah, there's not too much to co- you know to complain about. They've 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 certainly got their differences. Like you know the the Sony. Um, uh, XZ1. It doesn't have that sort of full screen that goes sort of top top to bottom. Mm. Um, they've, yeah, it's very similar to to last year's model in terms of its look. But they've improved some optics. They've got that extra software we talked about, more RAM and and, and storage and so on. So, I mean, any of these phones, you're probably pretty pretty happy. Yep. Uh, with, exactly. with them so yeah very nice so um, and and on the iPhone front look there's a bit of a bit more of a selection now you can get the um, the iPhone SE uh, yeah, often for sub 500 bucks so there are more accessible price points on the iPhone the 8 and the 8 plus are yeah, a good refresh of the 7 and 7 plus but with the uh, wireless charging so we're seeing a bit more wireless charging and yeah then you've got the, the 10 if you want to spend the money and um, Huawei have got their uh, their Porsche uh, uh, yeah Porsche design uh, edition which comes in slightly more than the iPhone um, 10 so there's really lots of good choices right mm, exactly yeah. Um, so, yeah, lots of choices there if you're looking for a Christmas gift for yourself or someone else. The other gadget I've been playing around with has been the GoPro Hero 6. Now, I've these- also played with it. It is so cool. They're good, aren't they? Because um, I've got the um, I've got the older version. Is the 6 the first one? that I don't know if it's the 6 or the 5 that had, is the first one that's got the... You don't need the waterproof case? Uh, yeah, I think the five and six sort of fall into that fall into that category. Maybe yeah, maybe and the six th- has also got really good uh, stabilization sort of software. Yeah, and so yeah, it just really smooths out your images with with movement and so on. You've got a four K sensor, so you got ultra high definition if you need it. But then you go down to the lower ones, and it, it does smarts with having that extra resolution available yeah. uh, to it. So I've used that for uh, for some of the videos that I've been producing. Um, and what GoPro are doing, it's still a you know reasonably high price point. I think they're coming in around eight fifty in the New Zealand market. But something's going to last uh, last a long time, and there's lots of accessories for it. 
uh, but they're now targeting more than just kind of the extreme sports. They're trying to make it a bit more mm. uh, mainstream, and I guess they probably yeah, probably most most people in those uh, extreme sport type scenarios have probably all got one now. So they're looking where we can we expand it. I think what probably the, the best thing they've ever done is the fact that it's become you know synonymous with like Google is for searching. You and um, you know an iPad is for a tablet people just say oh, you know, you've got an iPad when it could be any tablet mm. GoPro's become the same for you know those sort of small wearable um, video cameras and I know my wife and I were away a few weeks ago and we took out a couple there and had them strapped up and we were doing all boating and all sorts of stuff and especially the it might have been the 5 actually I was playing with I can't remember if it was the 5 or the 6 but the fact you don't need because I've got one of the really old versions where you still need to put it in a gl- uh, plastic case so yes. the fact you can just you know screw it onto the, the holder and use it is is so good so so good and pretty astounding really too because it's not that long ago that you needed the case well I thought yeah yeah um, no I, th- I think that well they are a premium price point I think that's 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 the thing you've got to weigh up um, if you go to if you go to somewhere like the warehouse who I know they do they have done they do do some of the GoPro stuff um, they've also got some other brands they've got a brand called 36T now this might be more if you're wanting to get something to uh, suit your kids or you're not so concerned about the quality and they have some of these things down to 100 you know 100 bucks or so um, and of course, the, on the flip side with the warehouses, if the thing turns out to be junk, which I imagine actually some of these they're at such low price points that they aren't very good. Yeah. Um, but you know, something to have a little bit of a little bit of a play around with. They've got those. Um, one thing from three hundred and sixty that I had a look at that is okay. They sent me some um, smartphone cases, and they've just got some reasonably good basic accessories. Um, and some of their um, action cams come with a whole lot of accessories that, for the price of the camera with the bundled accessories, is probably cheaper than buying the you know similar uh, accessories for um, for your GoPro because the official GoPro accessories are quite expensive. So if you just wanted, oh, I want a selection of few extra bits and pieces, yeah. uh, so that that. Could be one way to yeah. The uh, GoPro stuff super expensive. And they are good quality accessories though. So yeah. for something you're going to use a lot, or something that's real critical, like I got for my GoPro the um, uh, the suction uh, attachment to mount it to the outside of your car. Yeah, I, wouldn't you sort of going, I wouldn't be going for a cheap one of those. You nah. don't want to think, oh, where did I lose my GoPro because it fell off the car? You also want a loop so you can hook it up to something, yeah. you know, inside your car so you don't. Yeah, I've lose got it. I've got a whole box of GoPro accessories, but the ones like you know, you, like a, a chest strap and a head strap, and they're the ones that. And I bought the the knockoff versions because they were cheap. And the, but those are the things that you know, if it, if it comes off your head, it's going to hit the ground, and you just pick it up. You know, yeah, it's not it's not as critical as yeah, a suction cup mount on the outside of a car, so. Yeah, well, I did read about somebody, and it may have even been one of the older GoPro, one you know, one of the GoPro ones, maybe an older one, uh, was some time ago, and uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't have the extra um, sort of you know safety leash back into inside their vehicle, and this thing fell off their car, uh, and they had no idea where it was. Um, so, well, someone uh, picked up a nice uh, free GoPro. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, that's. Um, that's okay. I think. Oh, the other thing we should mention is uh, the Meccano um, products 
they're really cool. They're, they've got a whole lot of the different robots, and we've got one of them in, um, in here at big, the moment. That it must be, a, what, a metre tall? Yeah, a bit over. That's the four-foot uh, model. Um, that one's Mechanoid. And uh, I think Mechanoid made a guest appearance on the podcast recently and uh, uh, jumped in and had a had a little uh, chat. But we've had him here in the studio over the last couple of months. And, uh, yeah, everyone's always asked me to fire him up and, um, um, yeah, has, has a bit of fun with him. A little bit slow to respond. But for something, you know, it's good. It's a sort of a, you know, more a, a project for... Uh, you know, young and old to get involved in this one's got some wheels so it can actually you know move itself around a bit um, there's a bit of work to screw all the bits and pieces together and the electronic components but it's all it's all pretty easy and pretty foolproof so uh, from a learning perspective these these things are great i'm you know i'm sure we'll we'll keep seeing new iterations from uh, meccano but i think it's you know it's a good niche that they've filled in the, in the market with this tech so cool like it's so cool and it's, it's massive too. It's so mm. much bigger than I remember the models used to make in Meccano when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not they're not the old steel of the old Meccano. It's 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 you know it's plastic, but you got yeah you know, steel little bolts and things to tie it all together for the money. And these things you know vary vary in price, but you know a lot of these things are sort of three three hundred bucks or or so depending on you know where you, where you get them. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, very cool, very very good. Now. Um, Cool. We have an interruption to the episode. Uh, we have Stephen Hughes on the line who has been testing out the Garmin Edge 1030. Let's jump across to Stephen. Are you there, Stephen? Yeah, hi, Paul. So, look, I uh, I fired the Garmin Edge in your direction due to you being, um, how do we put it, a lot more capable than me on a bicycle, certainly spending a lot of time on a bicycle. A weekend warrior. So, Mr. Weekend Warrior, what were you using before you were on the Garmin Edge 1030? Because Garmin have got so many GPS gadgets and things for bikes, wrists, and any other thing you can uh, think of. Uh, what was your What was your tech of choice on your bike previously? Yeah. So, look, I've had the Garmin 500 and have been using the Garmin 520. So, um, typically, I've just run with a, a pretty simple option which the 520 sort of provides you with the basics that you need. So um, it was pretty interesting to try the 1030. So why do you even want one of these on your bike? Don't you just go out to, you know, have a bit of fun and a bit of exercise, social time with a few other riders? Why do you need some technology? Um, the technology makes a big difference because these days, compared to when I was a schoolboy, um, there's, there's a lot of metrics you can measure. A lot more than just a speed and average speed. Uh, you've got power data, you've got heart rate data, and then you can integrate that into into various um, online um, applications and things, which provide you with sort of measurable um, data. To, yeah, to Strava's kind of the, it seems to be the big one, and particularly the cycling world. But it's opened up a bit broader than cycling these days, hasn't it? it seems to be the big, the big um, sort of social platform. How would you describe yeah. Strava? Yeah, look, it, it, it is. It's a it is a sort of a, a Facebook or, or, or something equivalent for cyclists. So um, people are posting photos, they're posting rides, they're posting runs, and um, I think also some some people swimming. Um, with various Garmin-like devices on their wrists. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so you've got all this stuff. Now, also telling you where to go, um, 
I mean, in a polite sort of way, you know, like the, the technology giving you some directions. Um, is that, do you find that sort of thing useful? Because you probably have a reasonable idea mapped out where you're going to go, or would you, would you use that for um, being a, doing a new, a new ride or something? Where does that come in? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's interesting. It's a, it's a function that's on the 520, but because the screen's so small, um, I don't use it and definitely wouldn't use it. Um, the, the 1030, you know, with the bigger colour screen, um, it, it, it's it's definitely usable. Um, I mean, most of the time I know where I'm going, so I don't need a map, but I had a look, and look at it, and... Yeah, it's definitely a feature you would use if you had the 1030. The other the other cool thing is that they've made it pretty easy to upload routes from the likes of Strava. So you've got very if you're using Strava, you've got routes potentially saved there, and you can drop them into the Garmin. And that was that was pretty seamless. Yeah. So. Okay. And what about the other way? What about when you you've fin- you finished a ride and the age you want to you want to collect this data? You want to you know. If you've done a really good time, or you know, whatever whatever it is that uh, pushes your buttons, how do you get that data back? So you get it into 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 Strava, and you can um, yeah show off a little bit. I'm not <laughs> saying that you're can. a show off, but you know. <laughs> yeah, look at that. All that in theory, that all happens um, automatically when the when the device at 10:30 syncs with your typically an iPhone or or whatever phone that you're using. Um, one thing the 1030 does is at the end of the ride, it, it gives you some sort of highlight stats. So it, it'll say you've got a um, a, um, a new record power output for 20 minutes or something like that. And the thing that I found a little bit depressing was it would also tell you how many days you need to recover after that ride. Oh, yeah. And, um, I was and- always surprised. Surprised that yeah, it said I needed a few days off. Oh, okay. Was that just because you just did the uh, round uh, Taupo race, which is yep. that's a that's a fairly hefty race? What? So it said that after that race, or are you saying when you oh. go out for a five minute ride, it comes back to you and says you need a couple of days off? I actually can't remember what it said after Taupo. Yeah. I was quite tired, but um, after say a, a, a two hour ride, it's saying I should have three days rest, which. Um, Seemed a little bit conservative to me. I wouldn't normally take three days off after a two-hour ride. I was telling you to take three days off work. Was it specifically as well, not <laughs> not just exercise? Uh, it didn't say, so I guess... Um, yeah, yeah, okay. So it could take yeah, the place of a yeah, doctor could, could, if could, you were, could, yeah, uh, yeah, you were, you yeah. were looking for a, for, um, yeah, for a bit of a break from the office. Okay. Um, although I haven't had anybody, I must admit, come into your or send a message into the office saying... You know, look, I'm not well. Um, I don't have a doctor's note, but I did have this message that came up on my GPS um, telling me to have a few days off. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'd handle that. Um, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to happen, right? At some stage, te- technology is going to be taking the place of uh, people for these important uh, roles, at least to a degree. Um, anyway, getting a little bit sidetracked there. So um, back, back to um, back to the device to the um, 1030 from Garmin, Garmin Edge 1030 what about battery life because I know, I've talked to people in the past that have said that these gadgets sometimes if they're going out for sort of long rides don't have enough uh, battery life but it, it seems like they've, they've got a lot better over uh, over recent times, how have you found it from that perspective? 
Yeah, look, that's that's a good question because on the on the five hundred, I definitely had issues. You go out for say a five five hour ride, especially if you stopped a few times and end up being on for say six hours, you would definitely be pushing the the limits. Um, the I think the ten thirty they've got a quoted battery life of uh, twenty hours. I mean, I've been out for up to six hours and it hasn't come close to. To running flat, and that's you know with the big screen and color and everything running the whole time. And so, is that with um, GPS operating as well? Yeah, or that's just standard. Yeah, that's it's always operating, and, I suppose, for tracking your route. Yep, and yeah, that that to me is a really a really valuable feature. Okay, no, oh, that's because cool. yeah, even though the longest I go for say six hours, um, there's other people that are crazier than me that that could go all day. Well, I. I would say six hours and, is actually reasonably crazy. I've got to say, Stephen. So um, and, it, and and it's the long roads you want want um, want saved and recorded. So um, you definitely don't want your battery running out. That that's true. You do you do your six hours. You're so proud at the end of it, and then you look. Oh, battery ran out two hours ago. You weren't looking at it. You didn't realise. Yeah, that would um, that would actually be a bit gutting when you've um, made an achievement like that especially if you've gone a, a reasonable uh, a reasonable distance yeah well, it actually happened to me at Taupo last year oh okay so uh, so yeah. what, it was definitely a, a benefit of the um, finish line ah Mm-mm. okay so alright well there's, there's definitely uh, a good thing so for any of our listeners who maybe they've got uh, family members and they're looking for uh, some sort of a, a gift and they're into their um getting out on the road with their their bike then it's good from that perspective what do you think these have got um relevance in uh, sort of mountain biking at all i guess they're going to track where you go and whatnot oh absolutely um and there there's you know most of those trail uh, like if you went to rotorua I, did, I went to rotorua last month and tried out the trails there and um those those were included on the um the garmin maps so definitely useful for, for mountain biking. Um, I certainly get a lot more disorientated when I'm in the forest as opposed to the roads, so even more valuable probably for, for mountain bikers. Yeah, right, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what the uh, signage is, is like, but, um, yeah, you're probably not wanting to have to uh, stop and um, and figure that stuff out if you've got a ride planned out first that just helps you get going. Very cool, very cool. So your overall, um, what's your overall thoughts on it? Is it... Um it's worth getting. Yeah, look, I, I started off thinking the five twenty is all, all all I really need, but um, no, definitely the ten thirty's got some additional features. Uh, the bigger screen, the battery life, that would um, make it a, a, a pretty interesting alternative and upgrade to the five twenty for sure. Okay, okay. Oh, that's great. Oh, thanks for your for your tips. Very much appreciated. Pleasure. Cool. All right. Thanks very much, Stephen Hughes, for joining us and uh, and sharing a few insights into the uh, the Garmin Edge Ten Thirty. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us on this episode. Um, we I haven't haven't finalised exactly what episodes will be coming up over the uh, over the next uh, few weeks. I will be in the uh, in the US uh, for. Probably about four four weeks if uh, uh, if all goes according to to plan. Uh, so there will certainly be some content coming out of the US, and the uh, that first week of Jan- or second week of January actually the first full week of January is when the uh, Consumer Electronics Show or CES uh, takes place. 
and uh, that is certainly a time when uh, you you can expect to uh, to catch some content. So uh, um, yeah, we will uh, we'll certainly be back uh, back then, and there will be uh, there will be other content that I'll be recording over that that time as well. Um, yeah, look looks as though just looking um, at uh, at Rocket Lab as though they uh, they have uh, aborted that one. Their uh, live stream has has come up and said thanks for uh, thanks for watching and uh, the number on the live stream is uh, is has dropped uh, dropped right down virtually uh, virtually in uh, in half um, and what they've got is an announcement it's just come up on uh, on Twitter saying that their uh, that this launch was scrubbed for the day uh, while they review some um, some data. And um, they'll be they'll be updating on a on a new uh, launch attempt um, coming coming through. So the best place to look for that is Rocket Lab on Twitter for all their uh, their updates. All right, that's us. Thanks everybody for tuning in, uh, and a special thanks to our uh, sponsor, to uh, Process Street for supporting the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, if you are wanting to improve how your business runs, uh, your processes, your consistency, uh, handing jobs off from uh, you know maybe if you're a small business from from the owners uh, of the business and, and having other people sort of step up to the plate on those things, then Process Street is an incredible platform. Uh, you can find out more nztechpodcast.com slash process street and if you sign up there for the free version and that's free for life uh, you will also get 10% off should you ever move to one of the paid plans uh, which are yeah, certainly well well worth it uh, so that's nztechpodcast.com slash process street that's me and Nate signing out for the week um, Nate where do people catch you online if probably like Twitter's the easiest just at Nate at N- Nate A-T-E. on Twitter Easy excellent peasy. and uh, I can be found on LinkedIn uh, Twitter or, or Facebook my videos and bits and pieces go up uh, there and uh, you're certainly welcome to also get in touch by emailing me uh, Spain at guerrillatechnology.com alright thanks everyone see ya the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.